We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome back to World of His Overtime on World of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I am joined once again by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners of Rotoviz, co-host, of course, of Rotoviz Overtime, and co-host as well of the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretz. Those guys done a couple of fun drafts. If you want to head over and check those out, over on Stealing Bananas in the Underdog Fantasy. Sean, I believe I get all these names mixed up. Was it the redemption the resurrection which which draft are we in here resurrection yeah there's there's so i i love all the different names that come out even you know we have the, the pomeranian the puppy we have all the different options but um it can can become quite uh, tricky to remember them all when it gets to the stage of uh, the season draft season doesn't stop you have your chances with underdog over there to, to get involved in those sean we are doing a little bit of a running back theme over the last couple of shows where we've looked at different options at the running back positions but today what we're going to do is look ahead unfortunately we have the injury with Rashad Penny which means that he's going to miss the rest of the season we are going to talk a specific question that came in about his running back teammate in Kenneth Walker we're going to talk about that but we're also going to do it with trying to find who this year's Devin Singletary or Rashad Penny could be the guy who is in your roster who maybe isn't having the impact right now but over the next 12 weeks has a a monster impact for your team from a fantasy football perspective so sean before we get into that how are you feeling here as we get ready for nfl week six good it's gonna be a big week i think had a lot of fun on waivers yesterday added a lot of new players to teams the teams are looking good as we head into the bye weeks there have been a lot of injuries early that part is always really frustrating we don't care for it and yet it does set up for those deep teams to really thrive i think that until we get to the bye weeks and we see how teams can deal with the chaos and the replacement players then you're not really seeing the true strength of teams this will be fun this will be fun so i'm looking forward to it even with some of the frustrating elements and so many nfl teams not playing the type of offense not scoring the level of points that we would like it's been a very fun 2022 season 
yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun on that sean the bye weeks it is always that part i mentioned usually the bye weeks would have started previously a little bit earlier we have week six here with our bye weeks it's this point when you go from like week six through week you know seven eight nine and you start to see the week where you pull up your team and you're like half my team's on by this week they're the teams where you start to see how the depth is for those rosters so it's important to be circulating on the waiver wire to make sure you're looking a couple of weeks ahead from that perspective as well going to put you on the spot sean who was your favorite waiver wire pickup of the week on any team that you have any particular favorite player even if it was only one share that you picked up this week well we added some taste on hill and i think that's a fun play the most likely scenario here is that we go back to getting no points from him the second most likely scenario is that you play him this week and he doesn't score you play him the next week and he doesn't score you bench him in three weeks and he scores 30 and then you play him in the following week and he doesn't score it's going to be tricky right but in discussing this with a number of co-managers it's a fun play there haven't been a lot of meaningful waiver wire additions this year and you almost think back a little bit too and and there are a lot of apples and oranges elements to this comparison but when michael vick comes out with the philadelphia eagles really changes the fantasy landscape that year at quarterback obviously that's a redemption story for him playing there for andy reed i don't think the taste on hill is going to be the starting quarterback for the new orleans saints Obviously, there were some very fluky elements to his performance last week. We've seen before and we've heard before that he's going to be involved. But, I mean, there are some similarities, too, to the situation with Cordero Patterson, right, where you watch him for basically a decade and never does anything. If you don't go after him when he flashes to start last season, then you're sitting there without those points for the whole year in a situation where it could make a big difference. I mean, Cordero Patterson, the perfect zero RB back. If you added him in free agency, you essentially have a free RB one for the entire season. In most cases, it doesn't happen, but I mean, you can almost think of the, the cry wolf situation where it's, you know, nothing there, nothing there, nothing there. But if at the very end, there actually is a wolf, then you win. And so I think it's a fun way too to hedge against some bets where if you're playing a lot of underdog and you know that Taysom Hill is drafted in the 17th, 18th round and a lot of those, and you're thinking, well, worst case scenario, if he blows up and those teams slingshot ahead of me, or now I'm competing with a team that is going to put that type of scoring into the tight end position when tight end scoring outside of Travis Kelsey, outside of Mark Andrews is so difficult to come by. Now you have that possibility of having Hill on your main event rosters or your home league rosters, whatever league that you're playing that you care about the most, suddenly you have that potential trump card, even though probably it's worthless or actually flat out counterproductive because you end up playing mostly zeros at that spot. But I think for a couple of weeks after what we watched in week five, and it isn't the first time this season he's had a big game, but as the Saints continue to evolve and see what they have with Jameis Winston, see what they have with Andy Dalton. I mean, you do have a unique weapon here. At some point, a team, and specifically the New Orleans Saints, that's that's the roster he's on, could deploy that effectively. I, I think you have to be in a little bit, especially with how dry the tight end position is, and especially when 
the 2022 season has not provided a lot of waiver options. Now, it still might in the future. One of the things that we're going to talk about on this show, where are those rest-of-season league-winning running backs going to come from? In deep leagues, these guys are going to be stashed, and so it's a matter of trading for them or waiting for them to be cut. I mean, we're going to still see some pretty interesting players cut over the next six weeks because fantasy managers are dealing with those bye weeks and you may have someone you've been stashing, been stashing, been stashing, but suddenly you get to the point where you have a bunch of injuries and a bunch of guys on buys. You only have a certain number of roster spots. You may have to cut a stash in order to not take a zero and then someone else, or, you know, if it's one of your competitors, you know, you, you pounce. So that's what we're looking for. It doesn't mean that we won't have some big plays, but especially if you are kind of in that middle area, especially if you've taken some low QB scores because of the Trey Lance situation, especially if you had Kyle Pitts and then Gerald Everett is your backup. He fills in last week because Pitts is out. And that unfortunately is very poorly timed in terms of Everett posting more or less a zero there you could be in a situation where you're chasing if Pitts continues to have some of these issues and the falcons kind of go away and they end up stashing him for 2023 then again you, you want to have options even if you have kyle Pitts as one of your early selections if you've built an ot style team you should have enough depth and enough firepower to really make your move over the next six weeks with or without Pitts. And so those are all the things that we're kind of looking at here in terms of how do we want to attack? Do we want to be aggressive? It's a short season. And so you can only wait so long before you try and really make your move. Again, I don't expect that to pan out, but when you're talking about your 20th roster spot, I mean, you want to have that upside. Taysom Hill, very exciting player. I think it makes more sense to stash a player like that than to stash a wide receiver who just had his biggest game of the season and doesn't have a profile that you could really legitimately ever start him than to stash the third string running back from a team that doesn't score points. And those are some of the other types of options that you have for that 20th roster spot. Yeah. So it's a, that was a fun bit of a, you know, a, a digression that we had there. You mentioned though, it could be worthless. Something about the waiver wire, Sean, it can always be worthless, but it could also be priceless. So if you go and you end up getting, Taysom Hill and he becomes something like we've seen with Cardrell Patterson last year at wins your league you can't really put a, a price on that and that'll be well spent waiver budget I did see in the waiver wire report this week some teams really went after Taysom Hill there was some uh, full bank rules kind of spent on him so it'll be interesting to see how it goes and keep your ear to the ground there could be some of the players we talk about here who aren't available in your league at the moment or it could be your dynasty league you're trying to acquire them but you know they may become available as Sean mentions as we go through this uh, by week process and try and keep those rosters loaded but the first question that did come in that kind of prompted this idea in, in my head was from john o'hartles who listens in regularly sends us in some great questions throughout the preseason sent one in in terms of the unfortunate injury to rashad penny but he said he would love to hear our thoughts on ken walker moving forward for basically for dynasty and his perspective but this here all ties in because we're looking rest of the season if he has a great finish of the season his dynasty value is going to to move up and so on and so forth so we talked a lot about Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny in the preseason, Sean. Like both of them, we were hoping that it would be a healthy season and we would see what we've seen from Rashad Penny last season at the end of it to start this year. We kind of were seeing that for the majority of it. And then, unfortunately, the injury he has picked up. But we also talked about 
Kenneth Walker a lot in the conversation with Brees Hall and how both of these guys looked in college, how we had high expectations for them coming into the league. Seattle probably wasn't our favorite landing spot for Walker because we like Rashad Penny, but now that he's in Seattle and what has occurred, this is a pretty prime spot for Kenneth Walker, especially with how this offense is starting to play now. They're opening things up a little bit more with Geno Smith and then Kenneth Walker's obviously coming in to be the, in my opinion, the clear RB1 here now moving forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, and so this question too kind of deals with the Javante Williams injury. Folks who had Williams, uh, Ben and I on our dynasty team in the Rotovix Triflex format that is doing quite well, had three running backs that we were focusing on. Saquon Barkley obviously has been the star of the 2022 season. And then Damian Harris and Rashad Penny, two guys you can mix and match and get some pretty significant production out of. They both go down. And because of the way some of these dynasty leagues are structured, we're not necessarily stashing as many running backs there. And so now it's the question of, will any of our league mates work with us to help us address that RB2 slot? You know, are we willing to work with them? Are we willing to pay a fair price to get a running back back and try to keep competing? So it's tricky for both Javante Williams and for Kenneth Walker as you get these players moving now in opposite direction. Javante, because of this injury, is probably someone you can't even trade for a 2023 first-round pick at this juncture based on the way the 2023 class is thought of. Very, So many elite profiles in that class that dynasty managers would prefer to have that pick as opposed to a back, even a back like Williams, who's looked very, very good, but now will be coming off of an injury. The flip side of that is, is Ken Walker, how much does it cost to get him? I moved him to tier three in the dynasty rankings in this week's update, which means a first round pick and a second round pick, the approximate price there. I think that you want to start by offering a 2023 first, especially if the opposing manager is in a rebuild. Right? You're not going to be able to get that for Walker for anyone who's competing, but it may be that rebuilding teams actually still would prefer to get a 2023 first round pick with the level of player that you can potentially get in that draft. You work with them, throw in some peripheral pieces, try and get Walker back, see what he jumps to. Now, it's going to be difficult because you know that there's value in having the player right now. And the opposing manager may not be willing to give that up. In most cases, Walker was very expensive. And so it's going to be difficult to buy someone who went usually between the 102 and the 105, but very frequently the 102 or the 103 for a pick in the 2023 draft when managers don't know what that is. But especially in Superflex with the volume of quarterbacks, with the volume of elite running backs, there may be a lot of picks in next year's draft that are seen to be equivalent to or even better than Walker, even now that Walker is in this decent situation. The thing that has really changed here relative to the preseason, and one of the reasons why Walker actually looked overvalued in the preseason, but now the Seattle Seahawks have answered this question about their offense. Geno Smith has been absolutely fantastic. I wrote on Monday about the way that Tyler Lockett is having one of his best seasons and 
so much of what we thought was Russell Wilson with Tyler Lockett is actually just Tyler Lockett. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Geno Smith is, is some superstar. DK Metcalf, Lockett, both very, very good players. But the fact that this offense is humming along and in many ways looks better than it looked under Russell Wilson, that's very positive for the running backs. Now, there are some potential pies in the ointment here when you look at the future schedule for Seattle. And we know that at the running back position, if you're going to run up against this wall of elite rush defenses, it just is a very, very different dynamic than when you hit a string of teams where they're allowing five yards per carry, where they're allowing a lot of carries based on how they play offense on their side of the ball, the game context, the game environment, that type of thing. One of the biggest dynasty trades that we advocated for was a couple of years ago with David Montgomery, when he basically has started his career off and had gone through this extremely long stretch where he had been so bad that even in dynasty, people were giving up on him. He was being cut and redraft, but he was about to go on this dream stretch of matchups. And he was able to actually parlay that into, well, resurrection is the theme today with the show. <laughs> so he rises from the dead and now is a very big part of the fantasy landscape. When you look at the Seattle Seahawks, when you look at the road of his strength of schedule streamer, and you see that they rank 31st in remaining schedule. And the only team worse is the New Orleans Saints that we were just discussing. Then that's a little bit of a red flag for you. That's not necessarily what you want to see. It is an element too, where a very large number of fantasy managers are more or less schedule agnostic and are not going to look at that when they're thinking about offseason values and say, look, I mean, Walker had this brutal schedule that he was dealing with. We're going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. So if he has a, a down stretch or multiple games of poor performance, that's going to impact his trade value as well. So you want to really make sure that you go out and attack him trying to get him onto your roster, but it is important to be aware of price, to be aware of how that 2023 class is being perceived. And with Walker, you have a guy who's 211 pounds, runs a 4.3840. You have a chance for him to be a faster DeAndre Swift or a bigger Jamal Charles. He's somebody who comes in with a running back prospect lore that was very similar to Le'Veon Bell. His breakaway rush score, similar to that of Travis Etienne. Obviously, it doesn't mean that he'll be any of those players I just mentioned, but you can dream about him a little. And when he breaks off that long touchdown run, more or less immediately, once he gets the role, it's just a reminder of what he can do. It's also something that will influence his price. And so you're going to have to pay for that long run, even though you don't get the benefit of it. Positives and negatives for Walker going forward, but a very exciting player. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Sean, looking into some other teams then that may be able to carve the way. So it looks like Walker is already due to injury being able to get into that RB1 role, which is going to open up those additional opportunities for him some of the backfields that i've singled out and i want to let you pick which one you want to discuss first or which ones we start to focus on if the dallas cowboys that would obviously be tony pollard surplanting ezekiel elliott it feels like the cowboys will never want that to ever happen but at this point it looks pretty obvious that pollard is running much better playing much better than elliott at the moment for the the dallas cowboys we have arizona which james connor's dealing with some injuries over the last couple of weeks but eno benjamin has looked quite good and his opportunities that he's got we have the miami dolphins raheem Mostert continues to branch his way into more touches more carries for the miami dolphins even with the quarterback issues that they are having at the moment the jacksonville jaguars james robinson started the season obviously looks good really good story back from the injury travis Etienne has looked extremely good and extremely efficient over the last couple of weeks continues to look like he's getting back to his explosive self that we had before the injury then we have the ravens which no surprise jk dobbins is probably in here nobody's going to really be able to get him off a waiver wire anywhere i would imagine but in dynasty might be somebody that you're able to look and approach of an owner maybe is a little bit frustrated as he continues to work his way back into that full-time role i do have in the Bengals and the chiefs as honorary mentions and then some players that i think that are in the mix i think rashad white is in the mix but i think it does take a leonard Fournette injury for that to happen stevenson with the patriots already as an injury to harris he fits the mold quite well to slot into that and then brian robinson back from his uh recent off the field injury and the issues that occurred from that but back very quick look pretty good but sean out of those backfields which do you want to start with as maybe the the prime option here that that could be the the true breakout superstar down the stretch of the running back position well i think we have to look at the combination of performance to price. And Eno Benjamin was one of our favorites. He did get more expensive at the very, very end, but someone who, if he performs well because of how cheap he was, then it makes a huge difference for you. That's a contrast to players like Pollard and ETN and Dobbins who were much more expensive. Now, that doesn't mean they couldn't be league winners for you. They definitely can be. But Benjamin is interesting there. He's averaging two and a half yards after the carry that is a positive sign for him he had a few plays in week five where he seemed i wouldn't say confused but lacked aggressiveness or a sense maybe of where he really wanted to go as he took the handoff there in the backfield struggled a little bit but once he got to the second level you see both the cutting ability and the ability to get back to full speed someone who has an athletic profile very similar to Aaron Jones. And we know that Jones, one of the most explosive backs in the NFL. Now, Jones in some ways outperforms some of his metrics, but when you look at the elite agility, the elite explosiveness, maybe not the long speed, but that short area explosiveness is so important for a running back and does help you when you get to the second level, that type of explosion was very evident in his touchdown run in the last game 
The other element here, Daryl Williams a little bit dinged up as well. We don't know how long that that will necessarily last, but it gives Benjamin potentially here a little bit of a window to really seize so many of the important carries. Not necessarily like fully seize the backup work, not necessarily fully seize the starting job. It's going to be a little bit nebulous there. They've said, you know, look, James Conner knows the offense, a great veteran. He can play even if he can't practice very much. So we don't know what the split is going to be in the short term, but Benjamin is going to get an opportunity here. The Arizona Cardinals, after a pretty weak first two or three games, starting to look better. Week five, even though they lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, a lot of promising signs there. Marquise Brown has been, I think, everything that the Cardinals could have asked for. He's one of the elite fantasy wide receivers so far. Rondell Moore finally showing the explosiveness. Uh, again, that short area quickness with someone who also has 4-2 speed. So he's not just a short area quickness guy. I mean, he can take it to the house if you get that opening. Yeah, it's frustrating to see him mostly get the ball underneath and then have to beat a lot of guys to make that play. But his athleticism really stood out, and they're not that far away from getting DeAndre Hopkins back. The Cardinals are about to transition into being one of the most electric, exciting offenses in the NFL. And that's relevant as it sort of washes back on the running back position, because in the last two years, the Cardinals have been number two overall, trailing only the Indianapolis Colts with Jonathan Taylor, number two overall in carries from the five-yard line or closer the back in this offense, based on how successful the Cardinals' offense is and their play calling down close by the end zone, I mean, this is a team that can create a lot of running back points if things fall the right way. Eno Benjamin now, someone who, I mean, there's that glimmer of the thesis that we had preseason. It doesn't mean that it's going to pan out, but you can't help but be excited about what you're seeing. Yeah, you have to be excited and you know we don't want injuries and connor was certainly our guy last year sean and in dynasty i still have him on a lot of rosters just uh you know we don't want to see him get injured but you have to look at what happens at the running back position and you mentioned the key point there and that was the thesis on the james connor play last year was how good we expect the offense to be how much they get into the red zone how much they get inside the 10 yard line and then those opportunities opening up to the running back so you know benjamin is somebody who We've been we've been on that trend for a long time, Sean, but maybe it is it's starting to really take off here. You mentioned the key point as well of the value of where you would have had to draft these players previously or where you would have been maybe able to acquire them in Dynasty for that value. The next one would probably fit the mold on that list would be Miami Dolphins and Raheem Mostert, because he is somebody who was going at the start of the process a lot later in drafts, started to really move up in the last couple of weeks in terms of where he was being drafted. But he has looked good as well. The other one, I suppose, I could pair into that who was going in the same range originally, but then Zachary Kruger single-handedly moved his ADP up with <laughs> Brian Robson of the, the Washington Commanders. But Mostert, Sean, I give the credit to you. He was certainly one of your key guys as we entered the draft season and he continued to move up draft boards. And the season is is probably playing out as well for him through these opening weeks as it as it could have. I'd say if, if he had a cut or if he had got some of those short yardage rushing touchdowns that that went to his running back partners yeah i don't know if there's any credit to be had yet we'll see what mostert does going forward he is on the injury report with a little bit of a knee injury this week you know by the time this show is out we may have 
more information that maybe he's dealing with something more significant. Maybe it's just one of those nicks that they list on the injury report. With Mostert, you're always very concerned about even minor injuries because the knees have been really the thing that's kept him from emerging as a star, not necessarily as a Jamal Charles. But when you're talking about one of the fastest players in the NFL who's perfect for this style of offense, if you go follow what people are writing about the Dolphins this week, there's so much enthusiasm about this sort of stretch zone and the way that Mostert is a fit for it and the way that the Dolphins, even with the struggles they're having at the quarterback position, are finally getting that running game going. One of the things that you see there with Mostert is that he's averaging 2.6 yards before contact. Again, before contact yards, also an element that in many ways are an attribute of the running back. Now, there are lots of other things that go into that. Contextually, you prefer to have an elite offensive line that helps (laughs) by a, a huge extent the types of plays that you're being given the ball on. Obviously, if you're facing a lot of third and long draw play defenses versus goal line defenses, it's going to influence how many yards you can generate there. But most are carrying a lot between the 20s. Third in this stat, he's a perfect fit for what they want to do. He's able to execute this offense and break the big plays by slicing through the line untouched and then having the speed to go the distance. He looked very, very good in week five, even though they couldn't get anything else going. That's not just going to be the case every week. But when you consider that the Dolphins have the number five remaining schedule, you can dream a little bit there because Raheem Mostert could be a guy who starts to reel off a string of 100-yard games, gets in the end zone. Suddenly you have a guy who's really even on the RB1, RB2 border, pushing up above that would probably take not just performance by him, but also either injuries or pretty significant underperformance by some of the guys ahead of him. But he can get to that cusp without anything dramatically changing if he can build on the week five performance. I mean, Chase Edmonds is going to figure into this backfield. It's not going to just be Mostert. You wouldn't want it to be just Mostert. He doesn't have the body to hold up to that kind of workload. But he's an exciting guy. Anytime that you have someone with speed, it takes only one or two plays to really change the game. If you can't pay for the massive workload, and to pay for the massive workload, you're talking about prices in the first three rounds. Outside of that, you want guys who could move into a better workload and just don't need that many touches to score points. Mostert is that guy. And then speaking to kind of the players that there would have been more capital invested into at the start of this season in terms of expectations, two of those guys coming back off injuries, I mentioned earlier, ETN and how he is building himself up. We obviously didn't have... J.K. Dobbins for the first, I believe it was three weeks of the season. We've had him then since that. And then we obviously have Tony Pollard, who is a little bit less expensive, but we're still going in those opening 10 rounds. I've I've been very impressed with Pollard, particularly in a situation where they're also missing Dak Prescott up to this point for the majority of the season. Out of those three guys, is there one in particular you want to share the spotlight on? Well, we can run through all three of them very quickly pollard four and a half and i do have good contact. news for you as well uh most are dead return to training today so uh that's positive yeah just don't list the knee right don't list the knee just say rest all of my guys who are actually injured i just want the tag to say rest it'll make you feel better <laughs> for the 24 48 hours until you find out that they're going to also be resting on sunday tony pollard four and a half yards after contact because he's broken some huge plays 25% evasion rate puts him up near the very top. 
the number six remaining schedule, you're thinking, well, that's an obvious league winner. The problem is he just doesn't play, <laughs> right? The Dallas Cowboys don't have a receiving touch to the backs in week five. Pollard has the big game, but it only has 4.2 expected points. But imagine how good you have to be on a consistent basis to take a four-point workload and turn it into fantasy double figures. Ezekiel Elliott continues to underperform. This offense is going to be better. It's going to be more explosive when Dak Prescott gets back. They're going to need to score some more points. You can't rely on that elite defense every week. We may see that start even this weekend when they play the Philadelphia Eagles. So I mean, there are going to be more total points in this offense, and yet probably not enough to make it really go around. If the Cowboys don't take the step at any point of fully de-emphasizing Ezekiel Elliott, it's going to be hard for Pollard to do his thing. You mentioned ETN. His is just so exciting. I, I thought he looked like one of the most explosive backs in the preseason games. It wasn't always translating into production. It didn't always translate into production early in the season. But with the big plays that he ripped off over and over in week five, and he was really the only sort of sliver of sunlight for the Jaguars in a very depressing loss to the Texans. But over and over, he was able to get into the secondary. And then that burst that he has, one of the reasons why he was such a dynamic and record-setting college player. Now you play on one of the best college teams, you know that you're going to be dealing with a lot of space, but he was able to take advantage of that. He's got an 18% evasion rate. He's got the number five fantasy playoff schedule. The overall schedule, not the best, but especially anytime he has a down game, you try and make some moves for him in redraft. You see if you can buy him in Dynasty. I haven't been selling ETN even when I've gotten good offers. The offers I've made for ETN have been pretty much routinely rejected so at least in my leagues no one else is selling etn either there could be some points this season where the jaguars generate enough sort of total frustration for everyone that their players do get less expensive but he's the guy who's really exciting and then jk dobbins yeah i just especially considering it was a close game it was frustrating that he played so little against the Bengals. that raises some red flags it's obviously on a tiny sample but he is, does have a 25% evasion rate. That's number seven among backs who have at least 25 touches. I mean, he's looked good, right? The, the limited number of touches have not been a result of him not making plays. He's got one of the best forced missed tackle rates in the NFL because very few people can cut and then accelerate like he can. He was an elite prospect. He looks like he still has that. I mean, is, is he 100%? I mean, probably not, but he can do things at 85% that the vast majority of the other backs can't do at a hundred, which is one of the reasons that we have some excitement for him. If he continues to play the number of snaps he's playing, then it just, it'll end up being pretty depressing. And that may be, that may be what happens. We don't have a clear read on it. The championship game matchup for Dobbins is not great, but if you have some running back depth, I mean, he's an interesting guy to get you through the early rounds of the fantasy playoffs. And you can't win the title if you don't win the quarters, you don't win the semis. He's got the number six schedule in those two games combined. I mean, we've we've got the candle still burning for him, so we'll see what he does. And then the, the last couple of questions as we get ready to see this one out, Sean, is any of the teams or any players that we haven't touched on or haven't named that could potentially fit into that category that you kind of have half an eye on as this could be a 
a player who who does that down the stretch? Well, the two, or we could say three, I guess, handcuff names that are really interesting because they seem such good fits for what the offense does. And the offense seems like it could really support the backup. You look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are currently doing for Leonard Fournette, and they're actually, and that's despite the fact that they're giving some work to Rashad White. If anything would happen to Fournette, then, I mean, White instantly goes again to the RB1, RB2 border. The workload combined with his specific profile where he's a pretty good receiving back and you have to be that to fit into what they want to do in Tampa and then he's got the speed I mean those are all the elements you're looking for for someone who becomes not just a league winner but a tournament winner the Cincinnati Bengals continue to create huge RBEP numbers despite Joe Mixon being a below average starter the difference in talent between Mixon and P Ryan probably more or less nothing P Ryan would jump into a hugely valuable workload with a Mixon injury. And then the same thing in Las Vegas. I don't think that you can say that Josh Jacobs and Samir White are the same caliber of player by any stretch. We don't know what White is. And Josh Jacobs, one of the real breakout players of 2022, or if we want to say maybe the one of the best post-hype stories in a long time. You look at his peripherals, you check out the work by Corbin Young on the site there, you're going to notice that Jacobs is blowing everybody away. You just look at the fantasy box score and you can see how well he's performed. His EP numbers, I think number three in terms of average and he's outperforming them and those numbers are more sustainable. So he's having a fantastic year. Zamir White though, someone who, I mean, his testing numbers at the combine were indicative of someone who may be all the way back from the collegiate injuries he came into college as this unbelievable prospect. He and James Cook obviously split time there, but both of them may be more exciting than their raw numbers indicate. We did get the touchdown run from Cook in garbage time in the Buffalo game. The fact that the offense has been more favorable for a one-back situation than maybe we had expected I mean, Zamir White is going to be someone who gets cut in a lot of leagues. We talked about what's going to happen during the bye week. Zamir White pops up as available in one league or another almost every week in these different leagues that I'm playing. You try and figure out how you can get him onto your roster and keep stashing him. He's going to get cut because he's going to go put up a lot of zeros in the short term. But if anything were to happen to Josh Jacobs, then suddenly, again, you've got a potential league winner. In all of these individual situations, obviously we're hoping for the backs to stay healthy. But when you're looking at stashes and when you're looking at how can you win your fantasy league and what the upside would be, those are the guys that I prefer to have there as opposed to players who maybe have a little bit of standalone value. But I mean, the chances they could actually do anything for you, even if some of the other players in the committee got hurt. If you have a, a four back situation in a frustrating offense and maybe two guys are currently out the guy you are playing has some standalone value, but is the second stringer and then players are coming back. I mean, one of the backfields I'm thinking of a little bit there would be the Atlanta Falcons. Now the Falcons have run the ball successfully in any individual game. The running backs could have some value, but there is so much flux. The offense itself is not very good. And I mean, you're just going to have all of these moving parts kind of swirling around throughout. Even if you hit on somebody for a week, it doesn't look like he's going to be in position to sustain that value. So those are some of the contrasts that you're dealing with. And some of the backfields, they don't actually run the ball well and have even that going for them. 
in those cases, unless you are absolutely desperate, when we talk about roster management, and this is a little bit part of what Ben and I talked about last week on our waiver wire show, where we're talking about the tactics of bidding and the tactics of roster construction. The roster construction element is as important or more important than the bidding element in terms of thinking like why you would want to have these guys on your roster in the first place and how do you have to manage that as you go through the bye weeks. Now, you don't want to take zeros. And a lot of listeners will be playing in 16 roster spot leagues. That's both good and bad. Now, you can say to yourself, well, I can't stash these guys because I don't have the roster spots. And especially as I go through the bye weeks and I have injuries, I'm trying to play people. But the flip side of that too is that in shallower leagues, the waiver wire is a much better source of wealth going forward. So you're much less likely to get completely locked out if you want to stash a high profile or a high upside player, as opposed to continuing to kind of roster these guys who maybe get you a few points. So you want to remember too, that if you're in a shallower league, you can actually make viable replacements going into that week, where in deeper leagues, you actually have to be very proactive and looking forward balancing those types of issues then you just that was a good point you mentioned the show i would recommend for anyone who hasn't heard it even if you have heard it i would go back and listen to it um that was one that i actually listened to again a second time on the flight to london sean last week because just so much good information and you want to you want to be able to soak all that in and sometimes when sean and ben are at it in the lab you uh you need to take it in a few times to make sure it sinks in fully the other thing i want to mention is thanks to jono for sending in that question we get a lot of great questions from the ot community and with those questions coming in sometimes it, it primes ideas for our shows and that's been the case over the recent weeks again off the season so thanks to everyone who is sending in those questions we are ready for nfl week six if you want to get ready for it with a road of his nfl pass you can do so and you can also save yourself 10 percent with the promo code rv radio 2022 at checkout that will save you 10 percent off a road of his nfl pass it'll get you access to all of the content and all of the tools up on rotaviz.com to be able to help set up even sean talked about it today with some of the strength of schedules that are going moving forward all that is available up on the website through the tools on rotaviz.com with that said though all is really is left to say is good luck to everyone in nfl week six we will be back with the recap show which will come out early monday 5 a.m eastern posting time on the podcast feed comes out a little bit later on the day on the video side make sure you are subscribed to rotaviz overtime to get that as soon as it is available my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com and including the piece we started off talking about today with Rashad Penny, which will be linked in today's show notes. Until we are back on Monday with the recap show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.